0: It's impossible through words to describe what is necessary to those who do not know what horror means.
1: Horror. Horror has a face And you must make a friend of horror. Horror and moral terror are your friends. If
0: they are not, then they are enemies to be feared. They are truly enemies. Okay, welcome back to the Wages of Cinema. Uh, I am your host, uh, Jack Skellington.
1: Lord Jack
0: Skellington.
1: Lord Jack Skellington of the black and white crown. And always with me
0: is Baron Von Andrew Birchenow.
1: Yeah. Jack's wearing his crown from medieval times. It's actually quite a regal sight. Yeah. (laughs) I went to medieval times. He ate chicken
0: with his fingers. Yes, because in medieval times they did not have utensils. However, they did have Diet Pepsi. Um so and what an age we live in indeed now uh what we wanted to talk about for this podcast it's uh it's that time again for halloween and of course we've been talking about a good deal of uh scary movies on the show uh many that i've been watching because i'm doing an ongoing series called uh spooktacular savings on indeed my blog you are, my leash. yes um but we wanted to maybe bring up just a, a kind of discussion about what how, how do you define horror in the cinema? What is it about horror? And I wanted to read a little, just a little blurb uh, from horror.org, uh, which is mostly for horror writers. But there's a big opening paragraph in a little section called What is Horror Fiction? That I just wanted to read for you people. What is horror fiction? That's a difficult question. In recent years, the very term has become misleading. If you tell people you write horror fiction, the image that immediately pops into their minds is one of Freddy Krueger or maybe Michael Myers, while you are hoping for, she- for Shelley's Frankenstein or Stevenson's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. The popularity of the, modern horror- of the modern horror film, with its endless scenes of blood and gore, has eclipsed the reality of horror fiction. When you add to that a comprehension of how horror... Evolved as both a marketing category and a publishing niche during the late 80s, horror's boom time, it's easy to understand why answering the question of what today's horror fiction actually is has become so difficult. But let's give it a try, shall we?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Now, let's
1: talk a bit about that. Yeah. Differing perceptions of horror. Yeah. Because we not only have a different perception of horror. In terms of well, what is what do we think is scary? Right, because horror is is deep down, I think we can both agree that horror is about being scared.
0: Yeah. To add an addendum to that, uh, actually, Webster's Dictionary gives the technical definition as horror of a painful and intense fear, dread, or dismay. Right. And and I mentioned that that whole blurb because again, even though that was part of horror fiction, I think that does relate a lot to horror movies it's, itself. Because, I mean, you are creating fictions when you are making a movie.
1: Right. Um, now, what I, and what I want to get to is this idea of, well, something that scares us. Well, we have movies that we think scare us. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm a big, I really think, I'm a really big fan of The Haunting. I mm-hmm. think it's one of the scariest, most eerie films ever made. Yes. But there are other films like the 1930s uh, Universal Monster films. Yeah. Now, those do not really scare anyone. At older least more.
0: Yeah, like they still they can still appeal to kids. I mean, that's kind of what a lot of the big audience was for at that time. And then in the 1950s, they brought back the Universal monster movies in kind of revival, and they became huge all over again for another generation.
1: Right, but now you you and I we'd watched. You were talking about the Invisible Man two weeks ago. Yeah, I was bringing but, it up and, as you know, an example. There's the Mummy and the and Frankenstein and Dracula. We, we watch those films. You know, we don't think those are scary. Mm. So they what, may
0: be interesting or well made in certain aspects. Right. You could tell that the director and cinematographer were often trying to think of well, what can we do to make the atmosphere match what we thought when we read the book. I mean. Todd Browning's Dracula is gorgeously shot.
1: Yeah, and you know there's a Spanish version of Dracula, yes, which, which I is still need prob- to see, which maybe even better shot. Ooh, I can I can lend you a DVD of that. Okay, but is it
0: still horror? Um, I think that if nothing, I mean, ha- Dracula in a way probably is more of a tradition in the gothic literature maybe than horror. Oh yeah, but we're talking about film. All right, but in film. <laughs> I should think so.
1: So, I mean, what should make it horror, if not scares? Hmm. So I No, no, I get what, what you're saying. What is, uh, what, set... what
0: elements... Is it elements just in the story itself, or is it how it's told? Right. Is maybe how we're going about this. You know, the Roger Ebert idiom, it's not what it's about, it's how it's about it. I mean, let's think about it this way. Do you think a movie has to have... And I think, in a way, you brought... The Haunting, which of course has ghosts. But does a movie have to have a supernatural or undead or type of occultish thing
1: to be a horror does movie? Does it have to have anything supernatural? No. Yeah. Because uh, Halloween is a horror film. There's mm. nothing supernatural. Is that, about that, but can we talk about
0: that? Is Halloween definitely a horror film? Is that maybe, but is that more of a thriller?
1: I think Halloween is a horror film. For what reason? For the simple reason that it was presenting the idea of this escaped, insane person Mm -hmm. who, for his own indiscernible reasons, Mm -hmm. returned to the home of his birth and killed everybody who was in there. His reasoning was unknown. His motivations and even to a certain extent, his identity is unknown. He hides himself behind this mask. And so he becomes this faceless phantom that... He murders is, for no discernible reason. He is
0: the and they even mentioned the movie Was It the Boogeyman. As a matter of fact, it was. Yeah. Uh <laughs> I,
1: even though he is, he's a flesh and blood person, he Michael Myers takes on this incredible aura of of dread. Yeah, especially well. He seems in the, supernatural yeah, at times.
0: And th- part of that too is because he never speaks. I mean, that was, I think, part of the thing that
1: it's also um, his appearance too I appearance
0: mean, too I mean yeah he's he's wearing uh a William Shatner mask with the eyes where, cut out where in the, where in the movie did he get that mask oh that's a good question I'm trying to remember I'm pretty sure he he's... must have gotten it from somebody's house I'm you know what i mean i'm I'm gonna see the movie yeah. I think again this week so yeah. I'll let you know because like at one time he was like he had a sheet over
1: his over his body
0: well that was in the scene where uh the The couple is uh having sex, and she the girl thinks you know because the guy was kind of screwing around and had the sheet over him, and then Michael Myers kills the guy and takes the sheet and puts it over his body. Yeah, and uh I, it might be one of those unexplained things. It's been a while since I've seen it. well i I very much remember the opening of Halloween and that actually, I would say the opening of Halloween is one of the most horrific sequences ever. And I've actually shown it to uh, some of my students in the past as an example of this is horror, you know, because the whole opening of Halloween it's one long shot, following young Michael Myers going into his house, uh, pick, putting on a, a clown mask, yeah. which maybe that's part of it. He, it's in the Halloween spirit. He picks up a knife and then he stabs his uh, his sister.
1: All right, but even just that story, the story of. Just that little segment who murdered his own sister. That's that's like a story you tell around a campfire. Well, that's that's interesting you bring that up because John Carpenter
0: talked. I mentioned in a previous podcast when I mentioned the documentary uh, "Nightmares in White White and Blue." Right. That that he he discerned kind of horror movies between those two different types. That there's the horror story that you tell around the campfire, and then there's also the horror about and it's about the thing that's out there. There's this object. Oh, there's this yeah. thing that's going to come and get us. And then there's a type of horror movie about the horror within. About what like and I was trying to wonder what well, you what's meant an by example,
1: that. What's an example of the horror within?
0: Well, more about how were the monsters. That, you know, it's a different, it's one thing that if you're sitting around the campfire oh, so and that's... you're telling a story about some ghoul or thing that's going to come and get you and that's supposed to flee with drug because like, ah! Whereas if you are the monster yourself though that is that can be really intense. That's maybe that's like, where the that's maybe
1: why the story of the werewolf has that sort of power. I to think it. a better example is comes from Night of the Living Dead where you mm. have the external threat of the zombies but the main but the most pressing concern or the thing that gives people the most trouble is is the fighting between the the people holed up in that house. Yes. That's the horror within. Yeah, the I idea mean, that the... When, when the chips are down you become you panic or you you fight against people. Yeah, and your as prejudice as
0: terrible up. as terrible as the zombies are, uh it's really the people who you can't get along with and find common ground that makes for the worst uh yeah, and the it, worst thing which it, it is not, even which is amplified like ten times in Day of the
1: Dead. Yeah, and and you know the zombies they become metaphor for the people in the house, and you know the people in the house become a metaphor for the zombies. They're eating each other alive. Mm-hmm. Oh, looks like we solved it. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, yeah,
0: um, but <laughs> but we could talk about maybe in a way that horror because you you brought up the '30s, you know, universal horror movies and why. Those might not be considered horror movies in the same way anymore as like Halloween. Maybe it's just because of how attitudes change that influences that. Uh, hmm. But maybe it's also because the... of attitude taste. Maybe, and it's a weird thing though because you could still make uh, a lot of horror comes from just not knowing too. Uh, the unknown. You know the cat people uh, scenario, where oh, yeah. you know that cat that's,
1: people I think. Maybe Cat People holds up a little better than the stuff from. Oh, yeah, from yeah, of course. Well, that was in a case where,
0: uh, I mean, the producer, Val Luton, I mean, the, the story behind that was originally he came onto that production and they wanted to actually use, like, kind of like a cat suit or like a leopard suit. Yeah. He just looked at it and was like, this is ridiculous. And so he told his director, Jacques Treneur, all right, what if we just, you know, shut the lights off? And, um, yeah, and it's funny too because if you ever see the movie uh, The Bad and the Beautiful with Kirk yeah. Douglas, they
1: you've, you've seen that. I've seen the clips of it from Martin documentary. Yeah, that uh, documentary. documentary. Yeah, and he they Which show the exact how... same
0: story, like just dramatized. Yeah, exactly. It's the Val Luton story in that
1: segment. Um, but but cat... he hit on it. Yeah, but I and it's a great device because you know a cat suit looks like a cat suit, but when you but when you have use your minds and characters reacting to things that we can't see. Yeah, That's a lot more, that's a lot scarier. Mm -hmm. So, so cat people has those scenes where, you know, the woman's waiting for the bus and she hears noises behind her. And that's, that's a scene from real life. How many women have walked down a street at night and heard a strange noise behind them and didn't walk a little faster? Oh, of course. And, And, you know, there's also that scene
0: with the pool. Of course. Where, you know, and I mean, granted, not, not all of us have been in a pool by ourselves, but we've been in a very vulnerable place like a swimming pool And if it's really late at night and you don't know what's out there, you know, it can be a little creepy. Um, Yeah. You know, I, you know, I found sometimes like I found horror just in uh, when I used to live in my house in Teaneck, like late at night, I would kind of hear sounds outside and be like, okay, is that a raccoon? Could that be a person? You know, is there a person just outside waiting to come and get me?
1: You had a pretty terrified life in Teaneck.
0: I know. I was just maybe sometimes got paranoid late at night. Um, but uh, I mean, there are so many subdivisions in horror too. That's the thing. I mean, you could break down. There are so many different types of horror movies. Now here's but, another thing. But you thing wanted want- to bring. But you wanted to bring up a. That you read something where there are like categories?
1: Yeah, uh, I saw this move this video on uh, on YouTube Idea Channel. Okay. They talked about the the categorization of horror monsters, and there are five different characterizations. I I'm pretty sure I remember them all. One of them is something called a fusion monster. Okay. There are a lot of these are pretty broad categories. So the idea is that any any monster you mention could fit into these like characters. So it mean they f- fuse together. In a way, like, conceptually, a fusion monster is something that's a combination of two different uh, items, like uh, a man and a beast. Okay. It's like, okay, here's a spoiler for Psycho. Norman Bates may qualify as a fusion monster, because he is, in a way... Also his mother and himself. He is, in a way, a fusion of himself and his mother. Mm -hmm. Now, it's... He ostensibly looks like a person, but he he is Norman and his mother. Norman and not Norman. Yeah. And then uh, there are other monsters that are a little more uh concrete like uh like that, which are let me think. Uh something that's like a combination of two different things. Like what was the would a wolfman be a fusion? No, a wolfman is actually the second kind of monster, which is like a fission monster. Where it's like something split into its different things. It's like if uh, a wolf man is like man split Mm. into his human, his human uh, abilities and then split into bestial things. Mm. It's like, if you take the worst part of a human and put it into something else, that would be the wolf man Mm -hmm. in his wolf form. There's another one, which is, you know, the giant monster, Mm. which is, you know, not something that's huge, but something that's just magnified. And that brings me to something else. Godzilla uh, is Godzilla scary. In his first incarnation, I would argue he was probably his scariest. The very first, you know,
0: uh, Gojira by
1: Shiro Honda. Right.
0: Um, that is uh because it's in black and white. Because Godzilla, yeah, he's in like the outfit, but the way that he's shot in that movie,
1: there's a lot of skill put. There's into a lot the of skill Godzilla. put into it.
0: Yeah, I would say that it's a little bit closer to a horror movie, and even though about, it's still sci-fi.
1: And the thing about a magnification monster, which makes them scary, is that they, they're they're not just, this thing is huge. Yeah. It's the worst, it's what this thing represents made huge. Like, Godzilla yeah. is not just a giant monster. He is a personification of nuclear war. And he's magnified to such a degree that you can't ignore it. Yeah. And it becomes a clear threat.
0: Yeah, it's like you can't the the idea of of like nuclear annihilation is as obvious as a giant lizard attacking a city
1: yeah I mean, <laughs> nuclear annihilation maybe like in the fifties and sixties maybe something in the back of your mind like a serious problem but not something that's present in your everyday life mm-hmm. Godzilla because of his size makes that readily apparent yeah and and after that Godzilla just became this sort of movie monster. He became popular and he became and he uh,
0: spawned so many imitators. Right. So
1: you know Gamera and all Mothra. that stuff and uh, and you know all sorts of co stars where it's just like Godzilla vs. You lose Mothra, track Godzilla of all the monsters after a while. Right. And and it's no longer
0: horrific. It's not anymore. about her. it's not about the horror. It's more about it becomes more like a Ninja Turtles cartoon, or
1: yeah, something. yeah, it becomes a little bit of action, a little bit of sci-fi. Yeah, it's not, it's re- it, There is no horror anymore. Yeah. Although I think we got some of that back with the remake. No, with Cloverfield. Um, I'm not maybe. just saying Cloverfield because I love Cloverfield. Yeah, I mean, Cloverfield, I mean, found footage movie, giant monster. There's a lot to dislike. There's a about lot of it. maybe it's because. They had they tried to do a little bit of the cat people thing
0: where you don't see the monster and that's what makes it scary. Yeah, is I'm, that what you think?
1: Yeah, the Cloverfield monster is not front and center. No, I mean, I to be honest, even
0: that like I couldn't tell you what the Cloverfield monster looks like. Well, I mean, I know I've s- it's in the movie. Yeah, but it's not like in such a way where oh my god, there's.
1: Blah, blah, blah. there's his foot or like there's like
0: there's his torso and like i can see his teeth yeah no, because, like because of, of how it's
1: because of how it's presented you're
0: only getting little snippets and snatches of and then like the you would
1: see very specific things in very unexpected moments like well, there's a part where remember when like they're just walking through the streets and suddenly the monster appears like around the corner and then the yeah. army shoots at him i mean to me the like yeah i mean that 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 the
0: monster thing in that was fine To me, the scariest part of that movie is when they're in the subway.
1: Oh, yeah. That's the the best part of the movie. And the really tiny monsters. that. Yeah, because
0: there, it's like... Okay, we thought we were dealing with just this one thing, but it turns out there's this whole other invading, this subterranean monster invasion that is much more scary. Oh, man, I love Cloverfield. Uh, yeah.
1: Um, but... but, uh, Were there any other types you wanted to mention? Uh, there's also... uh... Uh, like the fourth kind of monster, I think, was the uh, just like a lot of something. <laughs> so that, I, that would be the name of a horror movie. A lot of something. I, but this is the birds. Okay.
0: Uh, right. Oh, right. oh. so the birds. One
1: bird, not scary. I'm going to give you a flock of birds. They look okay. Hundreds and hundreds of birds Mid- descending upon a population of a town. Mm-hmm. Inescapable. Perhaps. You know what's interesting it's then? The, it's the horror of the horde coming at you.
0: I wonder then. Have you seen 28 Days Later? Yes. I think 28 Days Later is a combination of a lot of something with the that, that horror type from Night of the Living Dead, you could say. Because you have a lot of something coming at you, and because the the, the, the infected oh, yeah. in 28, 28 Days, Days, later Days Later are moving so fast, there's like a lot of them, and you can't outrun them because they're running, and they're almost faster than you are. Well, I, I'd say that zombies... Whereas, but it's mixed with... That same thing where people are arguing and not being able to get along, which kind of happens when they get with to the military. But especially.
1: I think zombies are also like in a, a lot of something monster. I mean, one I'm or sure. two zombies are not a threat. Yeah, I mean, but it, it, the the threat of zombies comes from the pr- proliferation of zombies. That there, yeah. it's not just two or even five zombies you have to deal with. It's hundreds of zombies.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, Night of the Living Dead. The the cool, the great thing in that, it, you know, again because it's the first one. You, uh, you know, it starts off and you think that the guy who gets that, that, that tax Barbara and Johnny in the cemetery, they're just, uh, just a crazy guy. You think he's just a maniac. Yeah, you just think he's a maniac or something. And, but then you find out the real reason and it's like, ooh.
1: Yeah. And Um, then they get surrounded in that farmhouse.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I know that Romero talks a lot in interviews about how it was really, there's a lot more of a, uh, you know, an element of the sixties and revolution in there too. Yeah. That here I, they well, come to get you. Yeah, but that's
1: that's I, I don't think the horror comes from the idea of revolution. No, no, no. It's it from come, yeah. how
0: the actual practical things going on in the story. Sure.
1: But there's I, the final monster, the fifth kind, which is kind of nebulous, but it's sort of like the horrific unhorrific things becoming horrific. And the way I des- I describe this is something normal like a person. Uh but the way they act in circum- certain circumstances makes them seem eerie. Hmm. Oh, wait, wait. I so I this, think I got
0: you. Um Oh, let me think of This sounds so like I can picture what you're talking about. So
1: like I think I, I the best way to do it is like imagine para- remember paranormal activity. Yeah. The scene where that where the woman is staring down at her husband mm-hmm. for hours. Yeah. Now, staring at somebody for a long time. Not horrific but put it in the circumstances of you're watching someone sleep for hours standing over them it's unhorrific things becoming horrific okay yeah uh, well that's all well that's also when I brought up it follows
0: the fact that you know walking around and seeing somebody walking behind you not that scary but when you are not sure if that person is a demonic entity coming to get you yeah that's kind of scary yeah um you know, and uh, that that a lot of the terror of that movie comes from from that part of it. Um, do you think I th- do you think there are some things that are not scary anymore? I mean, we talked about how certain things, universal horror movies. I mean, part of that might be because the monsters themselves aren't scary. Like,
1: and it's well, funny because Dracula, we don't consider him scary anymore. But, no, um, I mean be- Bela Dra-
0: Lugosi has kind of entered the. The, yeah, but... the iconic figures of horror, but he's also kind of a joke. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I bring up the Spooktacular Savings, and I do it
1: in the Bela Lugosi voice. Yeah, and and he's Count Chocula too. Yeah, Count and, Chocula and the Count from Sesame Street. And Martin all... Landau gets an Oscar for playing him. Right, and all of those things are based on Bela Lugosi.
0: Yeah, they're all Hungarian, uh, you know, right. tropes. But. Um, yeah, but I mean, you look at Boris Karloff, not that scary. You even look no. at even you know, like the Mummy, it's not terribly scary. Although oh, I haven't seen he, the Mummy, and even later
1: part. Mummy films, like he's not scary. He's just like a guy who lurches around and strangles people. <laughs> there, there's nothing particularly scary about the Mummy except for the fact that he's he used to be dead. Yeah, I would say that
0: the Wolfman. Uh, I think the idea of the transformation is actually, in a way, kind of scarier than even like seeing the wolf attack people because like, I mean, you brought, you know, when I bring up American werewolf in London, that transformation sequence is horrifying. Oh yeah. I wouldn't argue so well. Like, and the way that blue moon is playing in the background and (laughs) you're watching all the body parts transform in front of you. And I think when I watched that scene, I, in a weird way, I put myself in that position. Like what if that was happening to me? Yeah. Um, and, uh, I don't know if there's a type of horror that goes with that. But, uh, yeah, you brought it up. I'm sorry. Um, so, let's talk about, I mean, certain movies. Now, again, it's it's kind of interesting because I there are certain times where you look at a movie and there's a lot that's pretty horrific about it, but we still classify it as a drama.
1: Let me talk about that a little bit because I had an idea a long time ago about making a really good horror movie. I mean, Some of the most violent films that we see are war films. Yeah. And... That is, there's a lot of violence in there, a lot of gore. Yeah, it, you know, I mean, Saving Private Ryan has some of the most effective. The D-Day gore. Day
0: sequence is almost like a horror movie
1: on right. itself. Right. So horror horror film is clearly not about violence. I mean, uh... no, I mean, I mean
0: to me, when I saw uh, Passion of the Christ years ago, yeah. I I kind of took that as being like a horror movie where uh, it's, it's like. And not only that, like to me, it almost became like a schlocky horror movie with the yeah. amount of gore. That okay, I know it's Jesus, but come on, does it need to be? Does it need
1: do we need to see that much whipping and torture? in yeah. slow motion. I, but for you, I mean, you you see all this and and you know, maybe it doesn't that, affect me the same way it doesn't as affect me you. like for more religious people this is their bread and butter this is not oh no i <laughs> it, I, I
0: understand why this movie became as huge as it i don't did, think bread and butter but is why is right but phrase, why is passion but, of the
1: christ not a horror movie well that's a great question i mean but is there anything about passion of the christ which really scares us mm, i mean there are lots of movies where people get physically it's, it's abused. shocking it's shocking yeah that... but a movie doesn't need no, to be no 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 that's true. to be a horror film no no yeah that that I right, that's what uh, that was quite a part of my problem with Last House on the Left. Last House on the Left is arguably shocking. It was certainly shocking in its time. No, but it's not scary. It's right. it's
0: more like you're just watching this horrible situation unfold. Yeah, and
1: simply being in a horrible situation
0: no. is not well. That's scary why scary either. Yeah, that's why the by far the worst horror film ever made. And I, I guess I could call it horror, even though. Maybe it's more like a thriller is uh, I spit on your grave. Yeah. Which part of that is just because it's such a poorly made movie, it's a it's like even down to stuff like sound recording, it's well, just so yeah, bad. poor presentation doesn't But help it's anything. also like all right, this isn't that scary to watch the you know, these rapists come and, you know, torture and rape this girl and then she gets her revenge. That's uh, who cares? Uh, but uh, that's just how <laughs> I, I go about it. I wouldn't
1: put it that way, but I see what you're talking
0: but, about. But, and yet, Nightmare on Elm Street, horror movie. Now, I know you might, you know, I know you think it's overrated, but at least there are well, I scenes where it's, it's trying to scare the crap out of you.
1: Yeah. And I think that and there's some still the, some
0: effective stuff in
1: there. And some of the most effective stuff in horror films is not bloody. No, no, the no. Innocence. No, that has a good deal of horror and you know there's no violence in that
0: some of the most effective stuff in Halloween is just uh, I mean there's that classic moment where Jamie Lee Curse is in in the classroom she turns to look outside it's Michael Myers just standing there and then she
1: looks back and then she looks back again he's not there our continuing ode to people standing People standing, the most cr- creepy thing in horror films.
0: Yeah. Um, and I guess, the, yeah, The Innocents did that. What's another movie that did that?
1: Um, Oh, wait. Oh, I almost had it. <laughs> oh, you know what did it? The Tenant. Hmm. In The Tenant, okay. Roman Polanski, he plays the lead. He's yeah. looking. There's a bathroom across the courtyard that mm-hmm. has a window that looks directly into his. And there's just someone in the bathroom looking out that window into his window. Yeah, looking at him and it's in a and it's in this wide shot. So you can't see who it is, but you can clearly see they're looking at him. That creeped me out more than anything in The Tenant. Nice. Uh, things I love, too, in horror films that are just really subtle. People walking by in the background. Uh. That happened in The Innocents once, like you just see one person walk uh, by and like, Oh yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And it happened in Rosemary's baby yeah. where like a person who I didn't know in the apart was in the apartment just walked behind yeah. Mia Farrow. And I'm like, wait, was that a person? Was, yeah. Do they belong there?
0: Mm-hmm. A few times
1: in, uh, in
0: Crimson Peak, which I talked about that, that you sort of get that. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. Cause in Crimson Peak, the first, like the first time they, they, they show a ghost in that it's kind of scary uh but the one thing i didn't mention is that because the ghosts are they're actually cgi Uh, and set against the rest of that house which is all it's like you're there and it's like you know it doesn't quite work as well um i wonder if cgi is something that might sometimes kill horror i don't think so
1: i mean you could do it effectively as anything i don't think we can plant a lot of blame on CGI for ruining horror. I mean, Mm. if anything, it's just bad scripts. Yeah. But here's the thing I was talking about. Like, let's get back to war. War films are pretty violent, Mm -hmm. but I mean, ask any person who's been in a battle. They will probably say that the, they were never more scared in their life than when they were in, than when they were fighting in a war. Yeah. And I feel like that's something that's never been tapped in film how could you shoot a war film or or write a battle scene where the audience is just as terrified as the mm. as the person in yeah. in the scene mhm i it, it seems so obvious but i can't think of a single instance where that's been done where
0: where there was horror brought out of like such a violent setting
1: no i where well, if horror is about the audience being scared, okay. how come an audience has never felt scared during a war movie? There's been suspense in a horror film, like, is this character going to survive or not? And, you know, we've identified with people. But has an audience ever been truly frightened in the way that I might have during The Haunting? Um, I don't know. Um, I feel like no. Maybe not. Is it
0: because... Well, we, well, I think that – well, I think it's – you can differentiate horror from action. Yeah, you can. I mean, because action requires kind of a – different like, it's not quite the same skill set as involved – because – and it's a tricky thing because suspense is in action. I mean, yeah. Die Hard is a very suspenseful movie, but Die Hard is not a horror movie. No, it's not. Even though there are some horrific things happening, I mean – you know, if you have like oh, these yeah, people... terrorists that come into your party and start killing people and holding everyone hostage, that's a horrific situation. Yeah, that's scary. but it's not presented as a horror movie. It's it's you know I think it is too. I mentioned the uh, the aspect of point of view, uh-huh. and you know, in, with involved with the Innocents and also The Shining, when you're watching Die Hard, your point of view is kind of through Bruce Willis. Uh,
1: John McClane, he can—he's somebody things. who
0: can do things. He can take charge. He might be, you know, a, a normal guy in a bad situation, but he can still handle himself. Yeah. Whereas in horror movies, often the suspense comes from the fact that these characters usually can't handle these things. Yeah. I mean, in The Shining, you know, Wendy can't handle the fact that her husband's going crazy and her son is this wreck. Yeah. and all and, you know there's a lot of dread that can build from that the
1: pr- the protagonist of a horror film is not a gun
0: toting badass <laughs> no and that's where also in a war film how do you how do you get horror out of uh, you know people who can you know take care of themselves unless though it, maybe it could happen if maybe it starts out as a war film and maybe fall soldiers who get into a horror situation um, now I haven't seen it in a long time. It was technically more of a comedy, but, uh, event, at least in the second half, but there was a movie called Dead Snow, which yeah. was involved, uh, Nazi, uh, uh, zombies, Right. which, you know, it sounds pretty ridiculous, but it's it actually the first half of that movie from my memory of it, and it's been a little while, but the first half actually, you could take it kind of seriously. Right. It's in the second half when, you know, the action starts that, um... You know, the interesting thing is when sometimes a movie will try to combine different genres and it will sometimes succeed at one thing better than another. One, t- one, one example I usually look to is Sha- Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. And Shaun of the Dead, I think, horror, Shaun are... the Dead is a very funny movie. And then the last 20 minutes or so, it just really turns into a straight horror film. Mm. And even though it's not that it's not effective, but I feel like it's not it didn't give me the same pleasure that the early comedic scenes did. Right. And I'm not quite sure why I should maybe revisit maybe it's that because one.
1: Cause the, the previous parts of the film had been a solid horror comedy. Yeah. And then at the end it became it, the comedy faded. Yeah. So in a way it's tone became uneven, subtly uneven. Yeah. But, but distinctly uneven. Yeah.
0: I don't know if you feel that maybe the same way, like in a way, well, but, I haven't
1: seen Sean of the dead.
0: Oh no, you're, you're missing out. Did you see world's end? No, man, you're missing out. You need to do a Edgar Wright marathon man. because well, Edgar well, world's end is another movie where, um, they, uh, that it's kind of an invasion, invasion of the body snatchers type of scenario. Right. Um, and that, the, that's actually fairly frightening. Um, you know, I think, uh, it yeah, also, it also dep- a comedy. They go together pretty well. They can usually go well because, I, especially modern day stuff. I think the one you can cl- the one classic example is Abba Costello meet Frankenstein.
1: Yeah, I, you can laugh at a situation that's wh- horrific if it's a absurd or b it becomes so horrific that you <laughs> that it be, that it becomes absurd again. Yeah, like, you, can, you can laugh at an absurd premise and you can laugh at extreme. Uh, extre- you almost extreme. laugh at yourself laughing. Yeah, but still, bad things can happen to people, which are kind of frightening. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> it's kind of weird <laughs> that you can feel bad about people and mm. still laugh about something. Yeah. Um, Is that the key? Is it feeling bad about the people who are in the situation?
0: Because I think... Probably. I think... That, but that might be a part of, I mean, a lot of the time when it comes to effective horror films, I think... Uh, I. I it sounds I sound like a broken record by I bring up effective, you know, characters. That yeah. at least you give me something with them. And I think that's a problem why a lot I don't go back to a lot of slasher movies and why I think Friday the thirteenth is overrated is because the characters are just kind of Yeah.
1: Yeah. They're they are You need to
0: place yourself in them. Otherwise or at least get some sense of this is a world that is kind of happening.
1: Now, let's go back. Uh, Friday the Thirteenth. I agree with you. The characters are not so good. Uh, you're I, you're kind of glad to be relieved of the burden of their presence <laughs> yeah. when they get killed. But let's go back a little bit further back to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm. Are any of those characters really distinct? Um, Franklin. Okay, Franklin, but is that just because he's in a wheelchair and he's the only guy in a wheelchair? He does. He, he has certain actions he, he that does, makes him... Uh, he actually does have certain personality traits that <laughs> stick out from everybody else. Yeah, I mean, he well, he's the geeky, you know, because of his
0: disability and also because, you know, it's also kind of transformed his outlook yeah. a little bit. You know, he he's the one who is along for the ride because he's this girl's brother. And nobody, you know, they kind of put up with him... But you know, you could tell a lot of time they're not really, they uh, yeah. don't really like him that much. He kind of feels put upon. And, and you know, there's that whole scene before you know when they get to that house uh, before they get to the other house with Leatherface, and they're just wandering around this house.
1: And he has that moment where he's like, "Come on, I'm with everybody," and it's yeah. like, "Oh, that." But, but aside from Franklin, I mean, I don't remember the names of anybody else or who they were like. I remember some uh, people well, who were boyfriend um, and girlfriend, and th- uh, uh, Sally still, was. Uh, I mean, Sally was. Fair. Yeah,
0: no, no, they aren't. They aren't super distinctive, but I. But again, I I like them
1: enough up to a point. I guess they're they're not as they're certainly not as obnoxious as the characters. In no, they're 13th. just they're they're just hippies out for a good time. However, I think what I think the difference between Friday the Thirteenth. Is not this and Texas Chainsaw Massacre not necessarily? Well, the vision for one thing. Yeah, it that it was a much more eerie setting. Yeah, well, it, they're, and, they're they're in the backwoods
0: of Texas, and the, I mean the, the the setting of a of a camp of a, like a sleepaway camp is it, it's a little bit mundane. Yeah. Not mundane, but it's kind of ordinary. Um, it, it's a
1: place that you would go that where you weren't in
0: a horror film. No, I mean it's uh, or Blair Witch Project is an example. Like that's a scary movie because you know we've been in the woods in our lives, but how long? You know, what if we stay out in the woods and we're completely lost yeah. and we I mean, don't know where we they're are? They're going
1: to search for something strange, and they find thing. strange things, and it actually messes them up. Right, and then in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They're going to this strange place, and they're not looking for necessarily any trouble or anything, but they end up finding this place, which is isolated from the rest of the world, and the further people explore it, the more horrific things they find, so that even if the characters are weak... In Texas Chainsaw Massacre, what they do and what they find is infinitely more interesting than anything that happens in Friday the Thirteenth. Exactly. So you don't. So again, you don't necessarily need deep characters. No. You, you know, you should have characters who aren't annoying, but as long as they are finding that 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 yeah. horrific thing.
0: Yeah. Unique settings can definitely help in a great deal. I mean. There, you know, there's nothing scary about a hotel, but the Overlook Hotel and The Shining is terrifying. Well, Bates Motel is terrifying as well. Um, well, the motel rooms themselves are mundane. I think the that... The house. The house cuts uh, a mean figure because of how thanks. you're looking up at it and it's like this
1: other thing that's up there. You know what the, the strange thing about the house in, in, uh... Well, we talked about, you mean the three levels? Being... No, no, not just that, but I I think it's basically is the weird thing the house is based off of an edward hopper painting oh really but it, the weird thing about the house in the painting and the house in the movie is that you can't really see its base right it's obscured so in a way it doesn't quite connect with the ground yeah in a, a way a, a well there's of... that
0: long t- we well, also cl- have to climb the stairs up to it it right. almost feels like it's
1: a castle it's isolated from the hotel, mm-hmm. and it's also uh, it, it also has this indistinct beginning.
0: Places can be scary in a movie; it just takes a lot of work. That's why I bring up Allerdale Hall from Crimson Peak because that is one of the uh, I, I can't stress enough how like you should pay full price just to see a
1: freaking house. That's the <laughs> genius of Guillermo del Toro. And, and the house in The Haunting is very eerie too because the first time we see it, it's mm-hmm. in silhouette. Here's oh, speaking of Guillermo del Toro
0: um pan's labyrinth yeah i think that's a horror film it mm. has elements it has and in a way it's funny because that is technically a war film in part well it takes it's place like a, it, that's during a... a
1: time in conflict i'm saying that's like saying that the devil's backbone is a war film mm. both films happen to take place during the spanish civil war but it's not about the war yes maybe uh but Pan's Labyrinth, that's tricky. Well, there are some... I mean, the Pale
0: Man sequence is frightening as hell. Yeah, the Pale Man is frightening, but I don't feel like... Maybe it's not overall. Maybe it's kind of like a mishmash of things. It's
1: like the overall premise of the film is not horrific. No. a, A girl who sees monsters and is going on this sort of little quest... Yes. And even though she comes across scary things... I don't think that's horror necessarily. That's like saying that that's like saying that Hansel and Gretel is horror. Yeah. I mean, a witch that eats children and lures them in with a candy house, that's scary. But s- simply things that are scary does not do not mean horror. Maybe not. There's nothing about Pan's Labyrinth which in its premise is scary.
0: No, no, it's a little no. bit it's more of a fantasy. Yeah, I, story. but
1: let's think about a a story that does have a great premise like Call of Cthulhu. Mm. There is an ancient being that awakes wakes every few thousand years from the you stars, are you, right? And you can't even spell the name, right? And if you just look at it, it will drive you insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh I need to Now whatever happens within the framework of that story will fit into horror, but I think what you start with is the concept. Yes. I Dracula, a man who drinks blood and can live forever. Who kills? Mm-hmm. That's a horrific concept. Yes. Uh, a a mummy, a man who is mummified and can come to life with with the speaking of a spell. That's horrific. A man who's stitched together from body parts. There, Frankenstein, fusion monster.
0: There we go. All right. Uh, that, that that's a good example. Uh, so um, maybe it's it's all in
1: the concept. A if lot of come it comes with that well, concept. C-
0: concept. There there can be a lot of different things. I mean, we've talked about. Concept we talked about characters execution can be very much a part of it as well. I mean, um I it's weird because he didn't necessarily make all horror movies, but I look at Dario Argento as like a horror director, or even Mario Bava, and Mario Bava made some movies that were not horror movies at times. Yeah. But just how he would approach style was very much like, all right, I want to try to bring you along on this. Emotional roller coaster that you know you might not always know where you're going, but it's gonna you know try to get you yeah in some way. Um, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot you can talk about with horror. Uh, but before we finish up, I wanted to read a couple of quotes from Stephen King and uh, a book that he wrote uh, some years back called *Dance Macabre*, which is his overview, almost like his lit review in book form of horror.
1: One of his few nonfiction works.
0: Yeah. Um. Here are a few quotes I really like. Um, we need ghost stories because we, in fact, are the ghosts. Uh, twist. Some werewolves are hairy on the inside. Ew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. ill. Uh. Death... I just imagine a whole yeah. bunch of ingrown hairs. Now. <laughs> death in hor- Death in the horror movies is when the monsters get
1: you. Hmm. Which sounds kind of obvious, I guess. Uh, that's actually. Um, that's actually. Pretty basic and pretty profound, actually.
0: Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm, ch- I'm just looking at a bunch of things here. Um, Ghosts, in the end, adopt the motivations and perhaps the very souls of those who behold them. If they are malevolent, their malevolence comes from us. Which I guess is similar to what I
1: just said we before. We were the monsters, all Yes.
0: Man is the most uh, egregious monster. I just, I just read <laughs> that quote. Um... Uh, he has some weird quotes here. Um, it's, <laughs> um. All right, I got one more I could read here. Uh, the most classic horror tale of this latter type. I'm not sure what latter type you talking about, but is the Old Testament story of Job, who becomes human astroturf in a kind of spiritual Super Bowl between God and Satan. Yeah. So I guess you could say the story of Job is a horror story because this guy is like keeps going through this horror over and over again, and he can't help. Conceptually, maybe. Maybe. Uh, So final words on horror. Well... Horror has a face, and you must make a friend of horror. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that, again, you can look at a lot of different things with horror, and a lot of it comes down to maybe what scares you. Some people are scared by different things. Yeah, it's, it's a bit subjective, but I think... And also, what kids are scared by sometimes is different than what we're scared as an adult. Yeah. I mean, um... I mean, like there are parts of uh, uh, certain Tim Burton movies that scared me as a kid. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think of one right now, but uh, just that woman's the, the the truck driver's face in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, <laughs> large march. Um. So, any final thoughts? Well,
1: all I know is that I'm going to keep watching horror films.
0: I'm going to watch horror movies too because we need horror in our lives because we don't. It if, makes us feel better about our everyday existence. Yeah, that that's a good way to cap this off, uh, How why we have horror. Um, you know, we need to be scared because if we uh, don't get scared every once in a while, then we can't, you know, have any reflection, which is what art does.
1: Oh, Guillermo del Toro said something like that. It's like uh, a, a spiritual experience is not just one that lifts you up. It's Ilissi also didn't. ones that sh- that that shows you real fear. Yes. So yeah, yeah it's spiritual.
0: Yes. Yeah, so with that, um, we'd like to thank you for listening to our discussion about the horror genre. If you have any thoughts about horror or movies or things that go bump in the night, go see The Haunting. Go see Crimson Peak. Um, you can email us at wagesofcinema at gmail.com and visit us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, or on iTunes stitcher and soundcloud um you're likely listening to us on soundcloud now but if you're listening to us on itunes we're also on soundcloud so there you go and if you're listening to us on soundcloud we're on itunes i just said that see yeah so uh we'll return to you next week with uh more movies more stuff from our lists uh more problems more more <laughs> pr- more of life's problems put into perspective through cinema um are you going to maybe watch any more Buñuel?
1: Uh, I still have to watch Phantom of Liberty. Okay.
0: And, uh, you should also check out a movie he did called Tristana. It's not that surreal, but you know, Catherine Deneuve and, uh, Buñuel are always great.
1: It'll be better than watching uh Belle du Jour (laughs) too. Oh God.
0: Oh, thanks for reminding me of that. Uh, Yeah, the I forget what it was called, but it was like Belt to Two or something, and it was like, oh yeah, let's go ahead like in modern day and see what happened to these characters. Let's and uh, let's not even bring back Catherine Deneuve. Let's uh, let's uh,
1: it's like the smoke, it it's that. like the
0: Smokey and the Bandit Three of <laughs> Boonwell
1: sequels. <laughs> oh, I didn't know, I didn't know Louis directed Smokey and the Bandit Three. Go and uh, i'm gonna
0: watch a few more horror movies and
1: uh
0: and then the in the, october will be over and i'll be getting into the swing of things for award season so we we'll get a lot of good movies um and with that i am uh blah, i am jack i'm andrew and remember let's do it at the same time the, the wages of cinema, cinema is, death. is death good good night, night. that wasn't all creepy
1: Wah, <laughs> wah,